0: Welcome back to the last in this discussion series on critical theory. An ideology, uh, as we've been discovering, is founded on the premise that there is no God. An ideology hostile to the very concepts of truth and reality. Last time around, we looked at some non-Christian writers who have engaged with this topic. Douglas Murray in his book, The Madness of Crowds, and Cynical Theories by Helen Pluckrose and James Lindsay. This time we're going to look at some Christian writers and see how they can help us with understanding critical theory. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes in this podcast mini series, I'd encourage you to do that. It will help with some of the background, Uh, but even without that, I'm sure you'll benefit from what is going to be a fascinating and insightful discussion. Once again, we're recording in front of a live audience at the Christian Institute's headquarters in Newcastle. And once again, I'm delighted to have author and institute social policy analyst, Dr. Sharon James with me. Also joining us this time is the Christian Institute's Head of Research, Dave Gratorex, and one of his team, Nathan Batten. Gentlemen, welcome to you. Uh, We're gonna start with this book, if if I may, uh, Christopher Watkin biblical critical theory, how the Bible's unfolding story makes sense of modern life and culture. It's published uh, just at the end of of last year Uh, and judging by the reviews anyway, um, it looks set to be popular, it looks set to be uh, influential, Uh, though I dare say that um, some may find it a little on the academic side perhaps. Um, But uh, but we're talking about Christian and non-Christian responses to critical theory. So I want to start with what you might think is a a slightly odd question given its title. Um, Is it about
1: critical theory at all? Not really. I think this book is a little bit like you've read reviews and everyone's been telling you that the sort of fish and chip shop down the road is the best fish and chip chip shop you can go to, but you turn up and they don't sell fish and chips. It says, you know, the title of the book is Biblical Critical Theory and you're expecting something about critical theory. He begins the book by saying there have been some great works in this topic, Augustine's City of God, some classics, some Christian greats, and you start reading and you think, oh, actually, what is this about? You're expecting it either to be massively controversial on the one end or on the other end, something revolutionary, something that's Mm -hmm. gonna help you live your life as a Christian day to day. And actually it's neither. I think perhaps Mm -hmm. he's got confused um, between the concept of critical theory and critical thinking, and certainly the latter is what he's trying to apply throughout the book. How can we apply critical thinking to a lot of philosophical questions um, as we walk in our Christian journey? because
0: you come at it and you, you you might have expected and and I expected that, well, perhaps this is going to be um, how to use the Bible to critique critical theory um, or uh, or perhaps um, converse conversely, Somehow trying to reconcile the two, although given some of the reviewers, I suspected that probably wasn't the case. But it, but it's neither one of those. And I, I think I think you're right. It does. It 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 could be sort of using the Bible for critical thinking or applying critical thinking as we read the Bible or something like that. But but it doesn't seem biblical critical theory doesn't seem to be quite the right take.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think we're talking about it here today because it has critical theory in the title and this is a discussion about...
0: And it's likely to be well yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. Um, but if you were evaluating the book purely on its content, we wouldn't be discussing it here because that's not, that's not what it's about. Um, it's interesting, again, I uh, agree with Nathan, he said, uh, talks about the ambition that's expressed uh, in the introduction in terms of City of God and, and so on and doing a, a modern day uh, take on that, um, but then by the conclusion, he somewhat dials back what he's actually tried to achieve. Um, so he, he uh, very much t- talks in the in the conclusion about it being a roadmap for others to follow, and says he's very conscious of the gaps and the need for the detail work on uh, public policy responses to be done by others later on. Uh, so it's it's a lot less. Uh, ambitious, I think, in his conclusion as to what he's done than he seemed to set out in the introduction. Um, he, he describes his own background uh, and how when he was at university, he was looking for uh, for something to, uh, from a biblical perspective to help him to, uh, to have a worldview uh, that would uh, compete with the various philosophies of views of the world he was being taught at university. And he felt there was a real lack of Christian response. And so that's what he's seeking to provide. Um, So whether or not he achieves that is a different question, but that's not what critical theory is. I think he actually redefines critical theory in his introduction to justify his title, Um, but he's not engaging with with critical theory, uh, as you say.
0: Does it risk leaving people thinking that critical theory is some sort of neutral or, or harmless, or or, or even helpful. Um, So so just just one quote, Uh, critical theory aims to make visible the deep structures of a culture in order to expose and change them. It means to not just accept what a culture says about itself but also to see what is really going on beneath the surface. But as we've discussed in in previous episodes, the aim of critical theory is, is a name to undermine social norms, the family, uh, biological sex, Christian morality, uh, the biblical worldview, because these are oppressive, repressive, uh, and prevent the individual um, from, from being their true self. And, and my slight concern was that, uh, given that it's, it's likely to be quite popular, whether people would be left thinking this is the toolkit that I need to understand uh, critical theory when, well, as as you've just said so well, I mean, clearly clearly, it's not that. It's not trying to give a biblical response to critical theory. Um, it's not advocating um, critical theory, at least in the, the way that most people are using the label as we've previously discussed. So if it's not doing that, what is it
1: trying to do? I think it's almost, it's trying to, provide a pair of glasses. It it sort of thinks, I've got this pair of glasses that when you put on, you're going to be able to understand the world in a better way. But it's interesting what what Watkin thinks are the important issues that we need to understand. They're often very abstract. It doesn't touch really on the issues that, say, the Christian Institute are concerned on, on gender, on abortion, on marriage, but it tends to focus on um, elements of abstract philosophy, on epistemology, on um, being abstract or being um, more concrete. And actually, people may find this very interesting, but I don't think that when we're talking about our walk through our Christian life, our day-to-day battle with you know the powers that be, people are going to find anything in here helpful. And I think that's the drawback, really, because you come to it with one expectation and actually that expectation's broken. If it were called biblical critical thinking or a biblical engagement with philosophical ideas, you might think, actually, this is really helpful. This has got some good bits. But the worry is if someone's going to be thinking about some of the things that um, are mentioned in Sharon's booklet, which I know we're gonna talk about later. And they think that this is gonna help deal with some of those issues. They're gonna get to the end of it and they're not gonna be equipped to do that.
0: But he he wants to set up as, being Augustine's City of God, New Augustine City of God. How's he how's he go about trying to do that?
2: Well, so he, one of his big themes is to go through uh, the Bible storyline. Uh, so he's seeking to he says he's seeking to evaluate culture through the storyline of the Bible. Um, so he starts out, as you'd expect, in Genesis and, and works his way through. Um, what's interesting for me is that, that the Genesis chapters I think uh, are, are more uh, fully developed. Um, And in fact, he had a previous book called Thinking Through Creation. I think that was published in 2017, which is the first part of this book, uh, actually. And as I say, back to the question about the title, because it was called Thinking Through Creation. And he says in Thinking Through Creation, this is part of a larger work called Thinking Through the Bible. Now, if, if biblical critical theory was called Thinking Through the Bible, then you would come to it with sort of the expectation of, of, of what he produces. We need to remember, as, uh, as Nathan said, he's writing as uh, an academic, uh, uh, writing as a, a philosophy lecturer, and that is the level at which he pitches his material. Um, so you know, it does have that philosophical application and use, but in terms of a practical application use, it, it's somewhat more limited. Um, and so he, he wants to set out, he says in the introduction, to answer the question, so what? He says one alternative title for the book could have been the Bible, so what? And so I come to that thinking, I believe the Bible, so what? How do I put that into practice? But that's not what he's, he's getting at at all. You, so you still get to the end of the book and you're left with the question, so what then? So all of this you've taught me after 600 plus pages so what in terms of practical engagement with the issues that are facing Christians today?
0: So I was going to ask, he sets out with that so what question, does he succeed? I, I yeah. think what I'm hearing yeah. here is, is no. Um, just very briefly, because I'm conscious of time, um, one of the tools that he frequently uses uh, in the book is um, to do with di- dichotomies and diagonalisation. Um, if people are going to read it, can you just, very briefly, uh, if you can, because I know there's lots that could be said about it. Can you just sort of sum up that as a tool and, and perhaps what the problem with that might be?
1: It's the general idea that you take almost two extremes um, and you diagonalize them. So you join them together by something that almost transcends or improves those two extremes so love and justice are are one of the examples exactly so love and justice and what he would say is actually um in the bible we've got the the biblical worldview gives us something which transcends that we don't just have this concept of um justice and punishment and there's no sort of mercy but at the same time we don't have a sort of soppy sentimental love that means we we never think there should be discipline or punishment actually what's the biblical truth it lies somewhere in between um, or at least it transcends those two realities. Um, The problem with that is that it simply doesn't always work who determines what the diagonalizations are if you're going to apply this in principle? Can you have male, female and diagonalise that through the middle and say, we've got something non-binary there? Now, of course, he doesn't do that. And almost certainly he wouldn't advocate that. But the point is, is that if you're going to say, this is what we need to have in order to engage with the world, you've got to provide a consistent framework that works in all cases. And I just don't think diagonalisation does do that. Well, that brings us
0: then on onto a couple of other resources. So if we can't look into Watkin, where can we look? Well, the late uh, Melvin Tinker um, wrote That Hideous Strength. Um, This is the 2020 uh, edition, a deeper look at how the West was lost, the original version published in uh, 2018. Takes a title from, I think, a 16th century poem then that was used by C.S. Lewis. Lewis was writing about a a context in which, the the nature of identity and the value of life was being brought into question by the likes of Bertrand Russell um, uh, just before him. Um, The idea that intellectual elites can reshape um, what people know to be true. And and, and now it's it's not the first um, book sort of addressing this. It's probably, I think, one of the more accessible ones. Uh, Practical, written with a pastoral heart. Um, certainly brave uh, in terms of the timing of writing it, very clear, courageous, um, and it calls attention to the threat of cultural Marxism in society, which he essentially uses uh, synonymously with, with um, critical theory. Um, and particularly, and this is the thing I want to talk, us to talk about now, is um, the impact on the church and the danger of compromising with it. Um, so rather than asking us how this helps us understand critical theory, people can read it um, I want to ask um, pick up on the church point uh, he says that s- uh, some areas of the church some sections of the church have been lulled into accepting um, some of this thinking perhaps particularly around things like uh, social justice if not actively at least passively by not um, by not engaging with it or not not challenging with it because as long as as long as we're okay to preach the gospel uh, that's okay so that's that's very, very quick analysis, superficial analysis of, of of what Melvin had to say about that. Do you agree with his uh, analysis? Have sections of the church, Sharon, uh, adopted human experience over scripture?
3: Absolutely. You can't argue with that. And I, and I love this because I think that the uh, difference in tone between uh, Tinker and Watkin is that Watkin S- says some true things, but he's speaking in a very detached tone. He's, he's essentially an academic and it's, he's sitting like a, at a coffee table with some fellow philosophers and discussing things. Well, Melvin is coming at this as a pastor. He was a pastor for many years and he was seeing the devastating impact in the lives of people, real people, um, old and young, men and women, all kinds of groups. What's the impact on them of this stuff? And, and it grieved him to his heart. And so he's speaking with a pastoral heart, but he he was also an extremely bright man. He was very, very clever. So he understood the ideologies behind it. And he explains the ideologies simply enough to explain how they're entering the church. He was very good on um, how communications and entertainment industry and all of that is an entry point in, and he describes that very well. He describes the uh, techniques used to get in very well. So I think that uh, this book, it, it covers the history in an accessible way. It covers the current entry into the church in a alarming, but truly alarming way. Um, and, and I think that, that that we can really be grateful for the work that you did on this.
0: Well, um, Sharon, you've written in this area. You um, you're, you're uh, Many books to your name. Um, I've just brought a few um, here. You've written Gender Ideology, which I don't have with me, What Christians Need to Know, How Christianity uh, Transformed the World, uh, A Student's Guide to Worldview, um, and uh, they're both relevant to uh, this uh, discussion, as well as The Lies We're Told the Truth We Must Hold, World's Views and Their Consequences. But I want to focus on this little booklet, Critical Theory Challenging Truth and Reality, available to supporters uh, free of charge. And it develops a number of the arguments that you first raise in uh, Lies We're Told, Truth We Must Hold. Um, I'm Going to say, uh, I think it's, it's simple, it's straightforward, uh, it gets right to the point and that point being uh, critical theory is not some sort of benign toolkit, uh, it's not uh, not even neutral, it's a class one threat to uh, the church. It's quite practical, gents, wait please weigh in at this point, quite practical I think, um, uh, not just theoretical and one of the things i picked up on is the fact that it draws a clear connection I think between Um, some of the ideas associated with critical theory uh, and the negative real world outcomes. So these things aren't just theoretical, they get lived out in in the real world and and this booklet draws that connection.
2: Yes, and one of the things that you don't see in uh, in Watkin is uh, a critique of how these... So he engages with individual philosophers, but he doesn't talk about how those ideas play out in their lives and in the lives of others. And that's something that Sharon, in, in her work, does bring out. Uh, she shows that when you put these ideas into practice, they're very destructive uh, for the individuals concerned and for for, for the people around them. Uh, and so that's that's very helpful. Um, and also, uh, as you'd expect, uh, it has um, the gospel hope, uh, which is missing uh, from the the non-Christian books that we've talked about in the previous uh, episode of of this podcast. Um, and so. To see that um, those two things together is what makes, I think, this a a unique contribution.
0: How does this help us with the issues that that we're tackling with, that the Christian Institute is tackling with, that our supporters
1: are concerned about and interested in? I think it helps us give that conceptual awareness. It's it's almost what um, we all assumed biblical critical theory was going to do. Actually, this does do. Um, It's saying, how have we got to the point that we are now? How is it that someone can genuinely stand up on TV or in a political platform and say that there's no such thing as male and female? How is it that we're here? And actually this describes some of the philosophical developments that have permeated through the culture that have affected the way in which actually everyone now thinks and sees because of how pervasive it's been. But it also gives us, as Dave has just mentioned, unlike these non-Christian authors, it gives us that hope actually There is a solution to um, the injustice and the oppression of of our worlds and our society. We know who it is. It's King Jesus. Actually, that hope comes through in this. Um, And we know the reason that these ideologies and philosophies in critical theory are bad because it opposes the message of Jesus. Mm. It opposes the message of Scripture. There is male and female. Um, That matters. Um, And marriage is between one man and one woman. And actually, we can proudly declare that because we do have a strong foundation, which is scripture. All of these other foundations, which these philosophies are built on, they're weak, they're built on human reason. And, you know, eventually they will crumble.
0: Sharon, I want to give the last word to you. I mean, it's, it's, we've, we've speculated with other books about uh, um, what, they might have, what might have motivated them and what takeaways should be, but you're here to ask. So, um, so let me ask you, um, what do you want people to take away um, from reading this this booklet.
3: Confidence that God's word is true, confidence that God's ways are best and when they're in a classroom or in a workplace where they are being perhaps intimidated by utterly utterly hostile worldviews, they do not have to be afraid, they do not have to be ashamed, uh, what we have to offer is infinitely infinitely uh, more glorious and it's true and we shouldn't just be hiding in a corner, uh, kind of just defending what we believe, we should be out there proclaiming it and bold and confidence proclaim it. Um, so I just hope that it helps, particularly a younger generation who are facing a uh, great pressure and great hostility. I hope it equips them with that gospel confidence.
0: Well, thank you to all of you. Well, once again, we've only touched on a few books, either because they've made a splash or in our view, they're helpful or both. We recognise that means your own favourite book might not have been mentioned, but just one other uh, honourable uh, mention uh, is for Owen Strachan's Christianity and Wokeness, if you're interested in reading that. Longer reading lists are available at the end of our critical theory booklet. Much more could be said, no doubt, but we're out of time. It just remains for me to say thank you to Dave and to Nathan, uh, and also from the previous episode to Joanna and Daniel, and particularly Sharon, all your insights. Uh, thank you to for watching. If you want to engage with other theological and public policy issues go to our website christian.org.uk you'll find written resources plus a lot of audio and video content including other debates on topical issues like this one. You'll also find us on the main social media channels and if you haven't already signed up to our mailing list you can stay informed by signing up right there at christian.org.uk. Goodbye.